Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. The planes of existence are at an impasse. Time and space distort everything in pockets of fabricated reality. Samurai Jack quietly walks by onto his next destination, unfazed by all that he sees. Uh, Limbo was as promised, Jack thinks to himself as he continues down his path. It is then that a bright pattern of light can be seen as a lone figure twists and contorts from shape to shape, being to being. The light finally fades, but the figure keeps morphing from one person to the next. They are not different people, however, but iterations of the same being. Screaming out at Jack, the figure of composite Samuel L. Jackson asks him for his guidance in this moment. But Jack has no guidance to give and picks up his pace to continue walking past him, eager to not be slowed on his journey. Well, okay then, Jackson calls out. If you're going to be like that, then I'm going to have to teach you compassion with my fist. And the battle that followed assures all to be one for the ages. It's the Prince versus Mr. Cool. It's Swordsman versus Legend. It's Samurai Jack versus Composite Samuel L. Jackson. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. 
Legion of Audience, just when you thought we had all the answers, the Who Would Win production team pulls a Rowdy Roddy Piper and changes the question. In today's episode, you have Cartoon Network's Ultimate Swordfighter, Samurai Jack, facing off against every single version of fictional character that Samuel L. Jackson has ever portrayed. Yeah, I said that. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see, I feel ridiculous even saying this, just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed before. And Google responded with, and I quote, this battle is too epic to portray, discuss, or even calculate. Give it another 50 to 100 years for some form of AI to be advanced enough to even start to comprehend the dimensional computations needed to attempt to understand how this fight will happen, which means this fight is perfect for a who would win battle. Merry Christmas, Legion of Audience. Ray, what are your thoughts in today's matchup? I am a little bit surprised that we are here right now. I promised the people that Samurai Jack would never appear on the Who Would Win show. I swore it. I said, James Gadsey, you're not winning four in a row. You're not getting Samurai Jack on the show. And then our board, our esteemed, you know, boardroom folks, somehow you convinced them that Samurai Jack on the Who Would Win show to finale season four would be a quote-unquote gift for the fans? What is this nonsense? What is going on? Nobody in the room listened to me. And so here we are. Look, let me pull back the curtain a little bit. Okay, so typically in our Christmas episode, I'm repping Santa Claus. And the Who Would Win production team said, look, you've been on a tear with Santa Claus. You know, Ray repped uh, Kylo Ren, got a loss. Ghost Rider got a loss. Somehow Galactus, rep by Ray Stacanus, lost Still to angry. Santa Claus last year. For the first time ever, Who Would Win, the production team of Who Would Win said, we need to retire Santa Claus. We don't believe Ray Stacanus can get a victory repping any character when you rep Santa Claus. So you can no longer rep Santa Claus. I was kind of shocked. I was completely prepared to take on whatever was coming Ray's way in the form of a character for Santa Claus. And I said, okay, fine. If I can't rep Santa Claus, how about I choose someone else that maybe the fans will enjoy? They said, sure. And knowing the only character that Ray would love for me to represent at the end of season four, I had no choice but to choose Samurai Jack. And then I got outdone in terms of surprise by what Ray chose. Ray, what was your thinking behind picking the composite uh, version of the cinematic version of Samuel L. Jackson? I still don't quite understand the logic I was here. really angry to hear that we were actually using Samurai Jack. And so as a joke, because that's what I do when I'm angry, I make jokes. I said, well, we're doing Samurai Jack. Why don't we do Samuel Jackson, just all of them, and then the board like stood up and applauded or something. It was stupid. I I don't even know why we're here, except for the fact that I'm about to whip Samurai Jack's butt back to his own century. Uh, I you know it's funny that question often often goes across you know my head of like how did we get here? What happened? Why can't we have nice things? And those all kind of lead back to race to Canis, and that's fine. Because I'm actually up for this kind of battle. Look, we want to push the boundaries of who would win. We've done a team battle versus one person. We've done team versus team. We've done some crazy stuff. This may be the most insane battle we've had of all time. But here's the thing. When you're in, I guess it's called uncharted territory. When you're looking into the abyss of the unknown, you need a judge who can not only navigate the rough seas. I'm really liking this judge, by the way. But you need someone who can take control of an absolute furious situation and just make some sense out of it and we have that perfect judge today so coming back for another episode of who would win you can see him on little america on apple tv super pumped on showtime 
It's the one, it's the only, it's Rama Valori. Rama, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thank you for having me, James. And Ray, I see you're here too. How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) Rama, listen, we we see you all over the place uh, on TV. Uh, We hear your voice everywhere. You are a fan favorite. You got some stuff you can talk about, some stuff you can't. What have you been up to lately? For those who just heard, I was in Super Pumped, the battle for Uber on Showtime with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Kyle Chandler. And as of uh, Friday, December 9th, Season two of Little America on Apple TV Plus, the fourth episode, Camel on a Stick. I play a chef in an episode about a Somali restaurant in Minneapolis that people really like. We got a very favorable review that compared it to an episode of The Bear. So that's a good show. That's good. Uh, (laughs) And I've been doing a lot of uh, dub work again, much like I did for Squid Game, um, the one that came out is Tierra Incognita on Disney+, Plus, which is a supernatural sci-fi young adult show from Argentina, I believe. Oh, right. Which was, that's a lot of fun. Oh, wow. And then there's a that's... bunch more that come out next year that I can't talk about because of NDAs. Yeah. Those nefarious NDAs. You know, Rama, it's so interesting that you're going to be the judge for today because if anyone can understand pooling together all of the characters that someone's represented to see how powerful they are, it would be you. So if you had to create the composite Rama Valuri character mm. of everyone you've repped and bring in all of their abilities, all of their powers, all of the things they can do, who would be the most powerful opponent you could take the on? The most powerful opponent I could take on? With a composite, all your characters brought together into one fight. Well, I'd say Ray, but I think that'd be too easy. How dare you? So. <laughs> you, you need to aim higher. Aim, uh, aim way higher. I was going Galactus, Galactus but, you know. Galactus would be fun, but I think the logical choice for this is John Lovitz in Mom and Dad Save the Universe. That is a great poll, and I can see it. I can actually see <laughs> that happening. I think that would deliver <laughs> for everyone. I still think you should aim higher, but I think that's a good, hey, he was, good he was uh, starting like a, point for that. king out, right. of outer space. How much higher do you want me to go? Thank you. All right. That's cool. Listen, I am so hyped for this battle. We have an amazing judge. We've got a crazy character ripped by Ray Sicanus, composite cinematic version of Samuel Jackson. We finally have Samurai Jack on the show. Uh, we, what a Christmas present to the Legion of Audience. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Cartoon Network. The samurai who can bushi do anything, Samurai Jack. And representing world cinema, the actor who never met a profanity he didn't like, composite Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, is it composite or is it composite? James, I don't really judge the way you say literally anything, but I do. Composite. I wasn't asking you, Rama, is it composite or composite? Composite. Got it. I will go with composite because, you know, we have a, a judge who says it. All right. Well done, Ray. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. All right, Ray, in your case, that version is all versions. Is this that correct? is the universal spirit of Samuel L. Jackson. One might call him a unicorn singularity for he is but one Samuel L. Jackson in many universes 
still don't know what that means. I will be going, believe it or not, with the animated version. The reason why I'm saying that is because everyone knows that version. There actually was a comic book version of Samurai Jack that continues adventures, although that's been established to be not canon to the actual animated version. So animated version Cartoon Network is the version I'll be using. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is where the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store to get your very own Who Would Win merchandise and accessories. Go to whowouldwinstore.com to get your hands on some amazing Who Would Win merch right now. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Do you ever have mild to moderate pain? Consider ibuprofen. Ibuprofen is your over-the-counter solution to mid-levels of pain from toothaches, migraines, period pain, rheumatoid arthritis, and sports injuries. Heck, it can even reduce a high-temperature fever as well. It's available in tablets, capsules, liquids, gels, and sprays, all for your convenience. As always, do your own research and learn the risks. But if you've got some kind of manageable yet uncomfortable pain, ibuprofen might be right for you. So consider ibuprofen. And now let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for 
Composite, Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel Leroy Jackson is an American actor who was born in 1948 in Washington, D.C. Turning his back on a career in marine biology to pursue acting, Jackson has over 200 credits on IMDb, starting with his role as Stan in 1972's Together for Days. Guarantee you've never seen it. Samuel L. Jackson is a mainstay in American cinema. After being discovered by Spike Lee back in the 1980s, Jackson has honed his playful yet menacing persona into the full catalog of classic characters we love him for today. Jackson's most famous roles include Nick Fury in the MCU, Jules from Pulp Fiction, Mace Windu from the Star Wars prequels, and of course my favorite, FBI agent Neville Flynn from the 2006 masterpiece Snakes on a Plane. Fun fact, Samuel L. Jackson has had a legacy of on-screen violence that goes back decades. But did you know that he is one of the most credited movie killers of all time? Yes, a digital agency named Ardent Growth did a study, don't ask me why, of how many deaths can be attributed to an actor over their movie career. Number one on this list was Jimmy Wang Yu, a martial arts action star from the 60s and 70s. And if you didn't know who he was, that's who he is. But second place on this list with 1,734 movie kills was Samuel L. Jackson, number two all time. So there you have it. If Jackson is in your movie, chances pretty good, he's going to be killing you in it. And that is composite Samuel L. Jackson. Composite. Composite. Got it. Composite. Okay. Well, no, James, right let me now. tell you right now, I'm Jack, still very, so. very angry. You talk about that. I'm very, very angry that after calling him Namor for years and years and years and years and having everybody to come on this show and say it's Namor, you have to say Namor, and then we get to the MCU and what do they call him? Bleeping Namor. What is happening in this world? Hashtag Ray is right. Hashtag don't listen to the people. That was a play on the Spanish words that these colonizers called him you know what i say to that question so he no used more. that as a name okay all right wish we were sponsored by uh ibuprofen all right here are the details for samurai jack samurai jack voiced by the iconic phil lamar first appeared in episode one of the samurai jack cartoon network animated series which premiered on august 10th 2001 once upon a time there was a great and prosperous kingdom which was attacked by a terrible monster named aku Aku, the shogun of sorrow destroyed the kingdom enslaved its citizens and the young prince of the kingdom was taken away in secret trained by the greatest warriors and scholars of the ancient world to defeat this evil. However, on the day that he took up his sword to slay Aku, his foe opened a portal in time, throwing him into the far future, a future that Aku already rules over. The samurai, nicknamed Jack by the locals, quest to find a way of returning to the past to defeat Aku once and for all. Gotta go back, back to the past, Samurai Jack. And I didn't read that well at all, but I still said it, why not? And here's an interesting fact about Samurai Jack. Did you know that his design is based off of a character from the Powerpuff Girls? It's true. Before making what has become his samurai magnum opus, Jendi Tartakovsky worked on a number of other animated projects, including Tiny Toons, Batman the Animated Series, The Critic, Dexter's Lab, and the hugely popular The Powerpuff Girls. He worked on The Powerpuff Girls series for four seasons, which means he undoubtedly had the adventures of Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup on the brain when he was developing the pitch for Samurai Jack. And as a result, Samurai Jack was based off the design of Professor Plutonium, the father of The Powerpuff Girls. The rectangular jaw, hairstyle, eyebrows, and white overcoat 
all our elements he took and brought into the character of Samurai Jack. And now you have facts on both opponents. Rama, do you have any questions before we get started? Given that this is composite Samuel L. Jackson, I suppose all benefits and drawbacks of every role played by Samuel L. Jackson are available to both Ray and you, James. Correct? I would assume so, but Ray, what do you have to I say, say about that? I say he gets all the strengths, but none of the weaknesses. It seems only fair. <laughs> so I think my version of it, it does does work. <laughs> if you bring all of his strengths, you bring all of his weaknesses. And just so I'm clear, James, are you primarily focusing on the original run of Samurai Jack or the return season that they did recently? Which which is your focus? Which Jack do you like more? Yeah, yes. that's all one series. They just happen to do season five, the final season, 12 years later. I, I know. I'm just curious. What kind of trauma yeah. is Samurai Jack bringing with him oh. into this fight, Ray? Is it Ooh. four years oh. or five years worth of trauma? I would argue 16 years or whatever. the Or whatever, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's, it's closer to 54 years, but I will be explaining all of the trauma being brought into this battle by Samurai Jack, if that answers your question. I'm going to be introducing some trauma to Samurai Jack today, too, for the record. Here we go. All right, listen, enough is enough. Go ahead, hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Samuel L. Jackson composite, as we all call it, obviously, is that I could focus on so many aspects of so many of his characters, and I will. But the one I want to start off with and the one I want to set the T on is that he's got the plan. This guy is a master planner when it comes into his movies. You don't take Samuel L. Jackson by surprise. He takes you by surprise. He's got wild things happening in motion all the time. He is brilliant. Whether he's that guy from Jurassic Park, the brilliant scientist who helped bring dinosaurs to life, and he did it all while chain-smoking. He was actually hurting himself because he was so smart he needed some sort of flaw. They said this immaculate person, Samuel L. Jackson, we have to give him a character flaw. What if he chain smokes? Doesn't matter. He's so smart. He brought dinosaurs back to life. So there's no telling whether he could bring dinosaurs back to life to fight against Samurai Jack. And let's talk about his most violent character of all time. The Kingsman, uh, Her Majesty's Secret Service. He plays an evil overlord who's trying to obviously take over the world, he created, what is this, this little like thing in the air that makes people violent. So he just literally just unleashed it upon a church and other places around the world, one could assume, and he made all kinds of people violent. In fact, of his death toll, historically in movies, was like 1,700. I believe they credited like 11 or 1,200 of those kills just to the Kingsman movie alone because he racked up a body count as the evil overlord mastermind of that movie. And lest we forget, this is one of the few action movies where the villain kills the main character of Harry. <laughs> he just pulls out a gun and shoots him in the face and says, it's not that kind of movie. Well, it's not that kind of battle, Jack. We're going to shoot you in the face in point number one. Not to mention his character, Mr. Glass from Unbreakable. Now, this character, he did have the bone issue, but as we know, he improves from that as the movies go on. So I'm not going to lean too heavily on that weakness, and I can only assume James will not as well. But he has evil secret plans, and he ended up creating all of these terrible disasters. Why? Because he has the resources, he has the power, and he has the foresight to see how things are going to play out ahead of time. 
not to mention Nick Fury. We're going to talk about Nick Fury a lot on this show, but he has the ability to plan out wild things. He created the Avengers initiative for God's sakes. He was able to convince all the superheroes to come together. One thing maybe he could convince Samurai Jack to do is leave. Walk away from the battlefield. Tell him he's an Avenger now. Who cares? Get him off the battlefield. Do something nefarious. Have all kinds of crazy devices on you, which we'll get into later. But at the end of the day, the character I want to talk about is his performance as John Shaft. One of the greatest portrayals in cinema history. Because let's face it, he's not just a genius. He's not just bringing dinosaurs back to life, killing thousands of people off screen. It is his duty to please that booty. And by please that booty, I mean kick it when it's on the rump of Samurai Jack. He's just too smart, too brilliant, and too devious for Jack to have a chance against. And that's my point number one. I really think you got cut back on the uh, Pepsi Max. I'm I've just hearing some weird things. Can. That's uh, can or case. All right, listen, let me push back on a few things. Look, I love Samuel Jackson. I love watching and he's in anything. I'm watching it with a lot of glee and just fascination, just loving all of it. But I got to push back on stuff. Some of these characters you're talking about, you say he's a master planner. Great. As a master planner, you need time to do what? Plan. You also need resources. You need to be able to access those resources. In a neutral location with no time to prepare for it, you don't have the time to make a plan. You're in the fight right away, especially against a killer like Samurai Jack. Look, Mr. Glass is also insanely brilliant, seeing, reading comic books and discovering his true purpose as being a mastermind criminal, except the problem is he needs time to make a plan as well. Look, pleasing that booty for so many reasons, that's just not going to be a thing that kind of affects Samurai Jack. I'm not going to go into it too much. And finally, bullets and all these other weapons, conventional weapons. Samurai Jack has faced against all of this in the first run of the series, then the extended run in you know 2015 or 2016 when it started again. This is not something, there's very little that Samuel L. Jackson, composite Samuel L. Jackson has as weapons or access to in his immediate person that can actually do that much to Samurai Jack. All right, but that's all well and good. Let me get to my point number one, and let's talk about the overall fighting ability of Samurai Jack. Look, the story of Samurai Jack, you know, we know this, he travels forward in time to some undisclosed date where interstellar space travel, magic, and advanced tech in all fields somehow intertwine. It's this crazy universe where you've got prehistoric beings, super advanced beings, magical beings, and everything in between. And Samurai Jack has to navigate through all that, and he does successfully because he fights so well. Look, before Samurai Jack was in the future by the villainous Aku, he already had what I call insane levels of training by the best fighters in the world, best martial artists, weapons masters, overall combatants, whoever you got it, it's crazy. I'm not saying this lightly, but this is true. His training was so extensive and it may just put Batman's training to shame. That is really, really crazy. He learned how to chart maps from the stars, was trained to ride horses by ancient people in the Middle East, was taught the art of combat from numerous communities throughout Africa was tutored by Egyptian scribes, learned how to wrestle from Greek masters, learned archery from Robin Hood, rode the waves on Viking logboats, was taught to throw axes by the warriors of ancient Ukraine, learned to learn spear combat from the Mongols, learned martial arts from... Look, this is someone who's experienced in fighting. He went everywhere he could in the world to get training. So some of the styles he mastered included Prey Mantis, Tiger Eagle Claw styles, Greek wrestling, Southern Fist, Sun Fist, Wushu, Wing Chun, all styles of Kung Fu, stick and spear fighting. And even before that... He was a master of all combat styles associated with the samurai because he's a samurai. So fighting styles for a samurai include Aikijitsu, 
which is the parent form of jujitsu, judo, and aikido. He learned karate, sword styles such as yado and kendo. This person was a fighting badass before he needed to become a fighting badass. Of course, when you see Aku kill your father as a child, you and you're in this lineage of ultimate samurai, there's only really one direction you're going in, and that's samurai badassery. And as a nod to the 80s, he's also a master ninja, because why not? He can use all the weapons, fighting styles, and techniques of the ninja, but he can also make himself hidden. Very hard to see. He's mastered stealth in a really, really cool way. He's insanely cunning. He's able to demonstrate a high level of understanding intelligence of all these new things. Look, there's new technology he sees. He can figure out how to use it. He can ride new vehicles. He understands how to do it. Uh, let's see. Whether the moment of, you know, it's in the heat of battle and the moment of battle, what's happening, he can always come up with a great strategy and a great plan. He's mastered hunting and survival skills, which means he knows how to survive pretty much anything. He knows how to kill well pretty much anything. Again, we saw this through all those seasons of Samurai Jack. He's a master marksman with any weapon you can think of. Let's see. And he hasn't aged physically, by the way. So he's been, uh, when we see him in the new series iteration, it's been 50 years while he's living in the future. So now he's stayed that same age, doesn't age at all, and has been training nonstop, fighting nonstop for those 50 years. That is absolutely crazy. Look, at the end of the day, none of the characters Samuel Jackson has portrayed are prepared for someone who brings everything to the table like Samurai Jack. And that's my point number one. I heard nothing there to convince me that Samurai Jack even belongs in the same playing space as composite. Samuel L. Jackson. Quite honestly, I'm insulted that such a weak character was even brought on the Who Would Win show in the first place. When you compare the devious intellect of, of Mr. Glass, the unbelievable atrocities committed by Valentine, and the general scientific acumen of that guy from Jurassic Park, what I'm trying to say is he's just too much. He's too smart. Jack isn't smart like Samuel L. Jackson's composite. Uh, all right, Ray Cicadas, this is this is interesting. I'll put it that way. But uh, let's hear what a judge has to say. Rob, you heard one point for both Ray and myself. Where's your head at with this battle so far? Kind of curious. You started off with this Lex Luthor kind of thing of here's how smart everyone Samuel L. Jackson has played. Uh, Ray Arnold in Jurassic Park, by the way, was the engineer at Jurassic Park, the chief engineer, he wasn't exactly working on the dinosaur genomes, and he got fooled <laughs> by one Dennis Nedry through just some simple hacking on his way to vending Who doesn't machines. get fooled by Newman in a can of Barbasol, Rama mm, Valuri? Probably Jerry Seinfeld. That's true. By the way, can we also showcase or highlight the fact that he was a smoker, which is never a good thing to be in a fight. Lung capacity highly diminished. Just putting that out there. Oh, I don't know. In uh, cartoons and things, the... Smoking characters tend to fight pretty well. You can look at Spike in Cowboy Bebop, for example. Or even Chain Fred, smoking. Fred Flintstone. Fred Flintstone. I think in this frictionless surface world, the personal vice of smoking may not have as big of an impact as you think. Also, Samurai Jack has been inhaling flames <laughs> and embers for how how long? That's a Dance? very good point. Very good point. So, I if it's a battle of lungs, I I don't think either of them are going to be doing That's too right. well. This could be our it's first ten yes, second sure. finish for a battle, like as they both just keel over, unable to breathe. It honestly could happen. <laughs> James brought up a lot of very interesting points about the Goku-like level of continual training around the world, where Samurai Jack has trained with everyone, worked with everyone, fought with everyone, has gone to the future, doesn't seem to age. Looks like the professor from Powerpuff Girls. So there are a lot of advantages in it, in it just straight 
hand-to-hand combat fight or sword-to-fist combat fight that Samurai Jack has right now. James has clearly proven the credentials of Samurai Jack as a fighter. Ray, you've proven Samuel L. Jackson's credentials as a thinker, planner, plotter, schemer. So this is one of those traditional who would win round ones where one of you has someone very smart and one of you has someone with a very strong fist. So there's a lot of table setting here, which sets up a very interesting round two or round three. But I don't think either of you have convinced me yet that the other has lost yet. Although, you know, Ray bringing out Shaft right in the beginning is strong move. Strong move. It's all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. You got to <laughs> do you have something that can compete with Shaft coming up, James? I hope I do. That's all I got to say. I hope I do. It's not possible. All right, listen. Quite honestly, I like people I, I, with a sense of duty, James. A duty <laughs> for that booty. Correct. Correct. But yeah, a duty nonetheless. Well, all I right. think it's a close battle <laughs> so far, folks. If you want to score it at home, we'll give it an arbitrary number of, uh, you can give 50 points to one and, uh, I don't know, let's say 50 points to another because the points really don't matter here. It's all just what's going on in my head. That's correct. That is absolutely correct. All right, Ray Cicadas, we're, I guess, neck and neck. Go ahead and hit us with your point number two. <laughs> point number two for composite Samuel L. Jackson. I want to bring up the sheer amount of violence We already know that he is the number two biggest movie killer of all cinema history. Samurai Jack doesn't have a body count like composite Samuel L. Jackson does. I promise that. Here are some of the moments that he has had in movies and some of the people that he's beaten up in movies. Let's start with, of course, Mo Better Blues, where he beat up Spike Lee in his own movie. I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm directing a movie and I'm in the movie, you're not beating me up in that movie. Eddie Murphy said it very, very well when he said, if I get you in my movie, I'm a whoop your blank. He didn't say blank though. My point is if you go into a man's movie, this is like going into crossover and going into somebody else's property in their own comic book and destroying them, which is what Samuel L. Jackson did to Spike Lee when he beat him up for a solid three straight minutes. And then immediately afterwards, our hero, Denzel Washington, came on out to try to break up the fight. And Samuel L. Jackson beat Denzel, who is, of course, the main character in the opus, Virtuosity. So he was able to beat the hero of Virtuosity in the face with his own trumpet repeatedly, leaving him on a pile of trash, which is where Samurai Jack will be left at the end of this battle. Let's talk about rules of engagement. He beat up a drunken Tommy Lee Jones in that movie. Tommy Lee Jones, of course, is Two-Face, if we're going composite. So he beat up Two-Face in his own movie. And of course, his great Pulp Fiction appearances. Jules, he almost won an Academy Award for this movie. He is eager to shoot. He's an expert marksman in this movie. Every single shot that was fired against him in this movie, if we remember the apartment scene where the guy pulls out the gun at close range and shoots him and John Travolta, all those shots missed. Now, you might think it was fate. You might think the guy was a bad shot. I would argue that much like Dragon Ball Z characters, Jules just moved his body in an unperceptible way to dodge all of those bullets. And I will argue that to the death. And let's face it, again, Kingsman. He killed over a thousand people. He killed Harry Hart. He killed Colin Firth in a movie. Who kills Colin Firth in a movie? Samuel L. Jackson does. That's who. Nick Fury. 
We need to talk about all the great people that Nick Fury has defeated. He's defeated Hydra. He helped put the team together that defeated Thanos, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. He has the tech. He has the technology. He's a great trained fighter from all forms of government and being a secret agent. Do we have to talk about Neville Flynn? Oh, I think we do. Neville Flynn won on a plane full of snakes and was able to save people on that plane, land the plane basically, and was able to get out of a situation where there were snakes on a plane. And yes, he did get a little tired of it, but that doesn't matter. He had the willpower to keep on fighting those snakes. And we brought up Shaft. And I'm going to bring up Shaft again. Because in the opening scene of Shaft, he's cool as the other side of a pillow. Christian Bale has just murdered a man. And Samuel Jackson walks right up to Batman. Right to Batman's racist face. And he punches him square in the nose. Breaking Batman's nose in one shot. This is the Batman. This is the guy who can beat Superman. And Samuel L. Jackson is Shaft punches him in the nose, breaks his nose, and they threaten to throw him off the force, and he says, for what? And then punches him in the nose a second time. That's the hero for the ages, a guy who can knock out Batman in a way that Bane only wishes he could do. And the final moment to talk about is his wonderful portrayal of Mace Windu, maybe the greatest Jedi in the history of Star Wars. Did he walk into the Emperor's chamber? and defeat the Emperor in one-on-one -on -one battle? Oh, yes, he did. You could try to make an argument, James. The Emperor let him win for X, Y, and Z. But if Samuel L. Jackson has you down and has a lightsaber potentially able to kill you, you screwed up. You tried to take on the man, composite Samuel L. Jackson, and you failed. The Emperor failed and got a little bit lucky from outside interference, a thing that Samurai Jack will not have in this battle. At the end of the day, he's destroyed too many heroes. He's destroyed too many villains. And he is far too powerful for a mere samurai to overcome. What is even happening here? Where, where do I even start the pushback? All right, let me start with this. Let's talk about kill count. So I did a little research and Samurai Jack only killed slightly over 350 people, creatures, opponents. You know, compare Weak. that to Samuel L. Oh, I was... I was actually wrong. He only killed 350 people in, in Creatures, what have you, in season one. This person has got a kill count that's absolutely in the thousands, at least at least 2,000 overall over all the seasons, absolutely demolishing the kill count that Samuel Jackson has as a composite creature of cinematic history, as great as that is. Look, what does Samurai Jack do? He tears things apart. He kills things. He's a samurai, and he does it with style. Does every character that Samuel L. Jackson played do that? Absolutely not. Listen, I love Mace Windu. Mace Windu is a national treasure. I am praying that Mace Windu comes back. There's definite ways for him to come back. But unfortunately, the reality is when he faced off against the Emperor, did he come out victorious? Who walked away still alive in that encounter? It Again, according to the movie, it wasn't Mace Windu. Of course, I'm hoping he survived the fall of the way down. I don't know, but it wasn't Mace Window with a win. That's situational awareness. That is just horrible failing. Maybe it's bad writing. I don't know what it is. And by the way, are you using composite Christian Bale in this argument? Because I thought it was just I composite Samuel Jackson. I think it's all on the table in this battle. If you punch Batman in the face twice and break his nose, I think the people need to know about it, James. I'm not trying to hide the truth like you. That's very fair. I guess I'm bringing composite... Phil Lamar into this because that's his through association part of Samuel, or sorry, Samurai Jack. That's Green Lantern. I, I'm not doing that, by the way. I'm sticking with Samurai Jack. All right, let me get to my point number two for Samurai Jack. Let's talk about his weapons and abilities. Look, at the beginning of the, of the second continuation of Samurai Jack, 
you know, when the series continues, we see now has very powerful armor, a kick-ass motorcycle, also somewhat armored, a handheld machine gun and a sword. Eventually, he reverts back to the white kimono and his original samurai sword. But it goes to show that, yet again, he can use absolutely anything combatively he can get his hands on. Now, let's just talk about Jack's katana sword. His katana was blessed by gods from the Norse, Egyptian, and Hindu pantheon. I'm talking about Odin, Ra, and Vishnu, of course. The katana can also absorb and redirect energy, including fire, magical energy, and massive laser blasts. Against a, a lightsaber, Samurai Jack's sword is going to be more than accurate. Could even redirect the lightsaber right back at Mace Windu or whoever it is at that moment. It's also seemingly indestructible. Uh, it counters evil. So if Jack is facing off against an evil version of Samuel Jackson, it's going to vaporize them when they're cut. It's really cool. Not sure how this works, but it's something that happened numerous times in the show. Uh, it's sharp enough to cut through even the strongest metals energy and magic of the future and you must be pure of heart to wield it so again if any evil version of samuel L. jackson even tries to wield it it's just not going to work whatsoever so but there's more see most people see samurai jack this is really cool as someone who is a peak human and a master fighter but i'm here to tell you that's actually not the case it turns out that samurai jack in many ways is actually superhuman yeah that's true so samurai jack's willpower itself is beyond superhuman He's had to overcome crazy odds where he's on the brink of death only to have his intense warrior spirit somehow carry him through to victory. It's fun to watch. It's great writing and just shows that his willpower, just like Green Lanterns, is superhuman. His durability is also superhuman. Did you know that just like Master Chief, Samurai Jack was tough enough to survive a fall from orbit? Not to survive it, but then get up and continue to fight? That's crazy durable. One time, a giant who weighed over 700 tons fell on him and he tanked it. He survived being hit directly by an array of exploding missiles and somehow was absolutely fine, just stood there standing there and got angry that it happened. He's also got super speed. He was able to defeat six well-armed, very powerful bounty hunters with sword strikes in one third of a second. Six bounty hunters, six strikes, one third of a second. That is insane fast. It's described as he was going so fast that he killed all these people before the time it took for a water drop to actually hit the ground when it was in air. He's fast enough to dodge a sunbeam. Now, you may think, wow, that's not so hard, but look at it this way. He was standing still, had a giant gauntlet on his shoulder, weighed at least 200 pounds or whatever it was. A sunbeam comes down at him from the window. He's standing still, and he dodges out of the way of the sunbeam. I guess it was a destructive sunbeam. I don't know what it is, but he got out of the way. That is really, really superhuman fast. That means, you know, by the way, we see him uh, use a super speed. He can dodge everything from lasers to bullets to swords, whatever it is. He's got super reflexes. He's got super agility. This is just crazy. He's also got super strength. This one episode, he strapped a huge boulder on his back, but was estimated to weigh over 30 tons. That's not my thing. That was estimated to weigh over 30 tons. So he's walking around with it with great difficulty, and all of a sudden, he can start walking around with it fine. There was this group of people who knew how to jump super high, and this was part of their training methods. So all of a sudden, he's walking around with it. He takes the boulder off, and now he can jump over 100 feet which is why we see him during the series able to jump so high so far all around is because he developed his leg muscles to super strength, be able to do it. By the way, he was walking around with a 30-ton boulder on his back. That's insanely strong. If that's not enough, you got to remember when, the, when he starts getting down in a fight and the odds are against him, that willpower kicks in, but he's also got this rage. I don't know what to call it, berserker rage, but he's still in control. The samurai rage, I guess you call it. All of his physicals get enhanced and he just goes ultra destructive mode and tears anything and everything apart that deserves to be torn apart. Look, as great as competent Samuel Jackson is, which he is, by the way, he's never fought and survived against someone like Samurai Jack with all these physicals and that fighting skill. That's my point number two.
Oh, James, I think you said it best in your point number two when you said that's not enough because it's not enough for you to take out somebody. Oh, you got super strength. Cute. Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury has dealt with Thanos, who also has super strength. This is a guy who tamed the Hulk in an indirect way. This is a guy who's been able to take them out at super speed. I mean, we talked about his ability as Jules from Pulp Fiction to dodge bullets without even apparently moving. I would say that speed in this is a push. And what are they going to do when Nick Fury calls in the Quinjet and he goes up into his helicarrier for shield and just starts dropping bombs. Uh, where I hope he can jump real high, James, because he ain't getting that high to get to the, the helicarrier in the sky. He is out of his league. In fact, you brought up something interesting, though, James, earlier. You talked about composite Phil Lamar, and I think that's worthy of a question because in a movie called Pulp Fiction, composite Phil Lamar was in the back of Samuel L. Jackson's car and Samuel L. Jackson shot him in the face. So we're going to talk about composite victories. Samuel L. Jackson has already defeated Samurai Jack on screen and then had to clean his brains out of the back of the car. If only there was a version of Samuel L. Jackson somewhere in some movie where he dies horrifically. Somehow that may be something I can use later, but we'll see Doesn't what happens. Doesn't seem Look. likely though, does it? Not at all. We are at the turning point, by the way, where after hearing two points from Ray myself, Rama tells us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what Rama has to say, let's celebrate the Hoodwin patron of the week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Hoodwin show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today we have a brand new patron. James, yourself and I recorded a birthday greeting for this individual not long ago. His name is Adrian, and he has just recently joined the Who Would Win Patreon. Ooh, Adrian, I know a lot about him. He is super powerful, super smart. We got to put him up against, I know, the first person I repped in season four. Let's have Adrian go up against Inspector Gadget. Adrian versus Inspector Gadget. Now, this on its surface seems like a mismatch. Adrian is but a young man of 19, spry, full of life full of energy and inspector gadget is a grizzled veteran the way that james described him he talks about all the people he murdered in the french foreign legion or whatever and the fact that he has he has little dino kids what were they called the gadgeteers it was embarrassing inspector gadget deserved to lose that match so thankfully inspector gadget did in fact lose that match what am i talking about the answer is adrian and adrian is going to see inspector gadget and just like Dr. Octopus, because let's face it, Adrian's listened to that episode. He knows that Dr. Octopus won that matchup because Inspector Gadget leans so heavily on Penny and leans so heavily on Brain. And he's going to see that he is all alone and he's just going to walk right up to Inspector Gadget, just like Samuel L. Jackson did to Batman in the opening scene of Shaft. And he's going to punch him square in the nose, breaking it. Inspector Gadget goes down. Go, go, Gadget Copters the heck up out of there. And Adrian wins this battle. Adrian stands victorious. This completely tracks. Congratulations, Adrian. Now, remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash who would win show and sign up. And you may be featured in an upcoming episode of who would win. Now back to the turning point. Rami, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead? And what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Well, I got to say, guys, uh, in the... The many appearances that I've had on this show, this might be the closest that you've ever been between the two of you. On the one hand, there's the seemingly indestructible Samurai Jack who can 
dodge anything, survive anything. He can be crushed and not be actually crushed. He can be bombed, but not blown up. He's got a mystically blessed blade that can fight back against the lightsaber. And he doesn't have any deaths that have been mentioned yet that work against him. Whereas composite Samuel L. Jackson, as James has pointed out, has had several deaths in very interesting ways. But Ray did bring up something that I had been waiting for this entire, entire battle. I'd been waiting for one of you to mention Phil Lamar in Pulp Fiction, for one of you to mention that composite Samuel L. Jackson killed Phil Lamar in Pulp Fiction as Nixon. And Ray did that in gory graphic detail, which then got me thinking, well, if Samuel L. Jackson is Jules, perhaps his most grounded of all characters, kills Phil Lamar, the spirit, the soul, the voice, the being of Samuel uh, uh, Samurai Jack, what does that say about your entire argument, James, if the real Phil Lamar can be so easily dispatched by one of the smaller performances of Samuel L. Jackson? Because it's not, he's not, again, he's not Nick Fury in the moment. He's not mm-hmm. Frozen in the moment. He's not Mace Windu in the moment. He is a Bible thumping hitman who dodged death and just shot him in the back of the car. It just got me thinking, James, all, is all I'm saying. You know, there's a reason why you're such a great judge, is because you can see outside of the box and kind of apply amazing logic to the battles. You're not wrong in anything you've said. However, what if I were to tell you? There were examples of horrific deaths of some of the characters of Samuel Jackson that would lead you to understand why he's not going to win this fight. I would love to hear them in detail, especially because I am aware of almost all of them. So if you don't remember very specific ones, that might hurt your grade in this pop mm. quiz. But going into this final round, it's still it's still pretty much a push because Ray's composite Samuel L. Jackson can do many of the things that Samurai Jack can do just purely based on the incredible number of films that Samuel L. Jackson has been in, near 200 at this point. The body counts are similar perhaps leaning towards Samurai Jack. But there is something to be said about the the intelligence of the multiverse version of Samuel L. Jackson when you can pull from Valentine on one end or his characters from Jurassic Park or Glass or any of these. These are these superhuman level of intellect and planning and scheming. So I don't think that composite Samuel L. Jackson will be caught as flat-footed as you seem to think he will be, and that he doesn't need hours and days and weeks of planning, because a true evil genius, a true super genius, is prepared, regardless of the situation, for whatever contingency. And that is a point that Ray has actually made very well. So it really boils down to this final round what are you going to do to convince me that Samuel L. Jackson's intelligence or composite powers 
are just not good enough against one lone samurai out in the future with just his trusty katana by his side. I love a good challenge. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, Ray. This is a battle. I didn't expect it to go this way, but I am ready as well. Go ahead and hit us with your point number That's three. That's funny. It's exactly how I expected this battle to go the second I saw Samurai Jack opposing me. This guy belongs in a dumpster, is all I'm trying to say. Usually I bring respect to the characters that I oppose, but today is not that day. And Rama, I am glad that you are picking up what I'm putting down because I have been doing a great job here today. Now, point number three for Samuel L. Jackson is that he has a myriad of powers and dirty tricks that Samurai Jack will not be ready for, much less all of them together in tandem. As I've already alluded to, Nick Fury has always got a plan. He's always got a device, a gimmick, a weapon on him that people are not going to be ready for. He's dealing in alien future tech because he met Captain Marvel and the Kree and the Skrulls back in what, the 1990s? This is a character who's had decades of alien technology to work with, and it shows in future versions of himself. And I didn't even mention he has a bulletproof Hummer, doesn't he? Yes, S.H.I.E.L.D. provided him with a car that could not be impacted by anything. Samurai Jack's sword is not cutting into that car from Winter... Was it Winter Soldier? Cut into that car from that Marvel movie? He's just not going to do it, and that thing has machine guns on it that Jack will not be able to deal with. But beyond that, Mace Windu, a character we talked about before, how is Jack going to deal with a force-attuned character, the greatest Jedi in the history of Star Wars? I will say it again. Maybe the sword can match up with a lightsaber based on some weird nonsense that James is talking about, but he can't deal with the force push. He can't deal with force strength, force speed, all the things that come with being a great Jedi. He jumped, what was he, he jumped into the, uh, the, the fighting arena with all that whole army of robots fighting against him and Count Dooku shouting things down. Christopher Lee, for gosh sakes, Dracula is shouting things down at him and he's not able to be defeated even then. Wait, was he defeated then? No, because I know he dies later. He was not defeated in that moment Mace Windu is just too powerful and him using force powers to throw things at Jack and shove Jack around to force choke Jack. I'm sure he can do it. Jedi's can do it. Why not? He's Mace Windu. He can do everything. And the character I haven't mentioned up to this point, Frozone. Frozone from The Incredibles. He is a legitimate superhero with powers of his own. He has the powers of, dare I say it, Iceman, a character that James Gavsey himself has called an Omega-level character, meaning he could bring Cataclysm to the entire planet by himself. And he could use this to freeze the sword in a block of ice. What good is that sword going to be if it's encased in a block of ice and he can't even get to it? He could freeze the ground around Samurai Jack. He could jump, what'd you say, James? 30 feet in the air? Woo, that's sure tall. But he, he needs the ground in order to jump. And if he's slipping all over the place... I don't see Samurai Jack ice skating around, do you? The answer is no, because when it comes to dealing with ice powers of Iceman, as James has said, an Omega-level mutant, Samurai Jack pales in comparison to this. And should I mention that not only 
did he shoot composite Phil Lamar in Pulp Fiction? He did it by accident. He didn't even mean to kill him. That's how powerful Samuel L. Jackson is. He killed Samurai Jack by accident. What do you think he's going to do when he actually wants to? The answer is, we got one flattened samurai. Samuel L. Jackson for the win using Omega-level mutant powers on top of everything I've already told you. This battle is easy to see, and that's why Samuel L. Jackson wins this match, and that is my point number three. Ugh, the headache that is coming on. All right, listen, Ray Sicanus, let, let me just make something very clear. Frozone is awesome. Uh, he has some powers that are kind of like Iceman's, but Iceman is, again, an Omega-level mutant. He can control ice and weather and you know stuff around the world. Frozone has never shown anything like that. He's great. He's cool. He can ride on the ice bridges he makes all around, does really cool stuff, but he's not someone who's controlling the continents or can create snow that covers a continent the planet controls. He's not that character. He's not that powerful. Just making that point. On top of that, let's see. Uh, you know, composite uh, Samuel L. Jackson is not going to have every person's vehicle. The helicarrier Ray, really? He's going to have the helicarrier. Does that Absolutely. mean Samuel Jackson has every vehicle he's ever ridden? He's got horses. He's ridden other huge dragons. He's ridden that can breathe fire. You know, I and wasn't going to say, magic. James, but if so you want to introduce it to the battle, I'm willing to let you keep talking right now. Yeah, exactly. The answer is none of that's going to apply because, again, that would all favor Samuel uh, Samurai Jack, I should say. So let me kind of get to my my thing. And I, and I hate myself for what I'm about to do with my point number three, because the problem is, as great as Samuel Jackson is in his iconic roles, he's got some roles that aren't too iconic. But before I get there, let's talk about some of the victories in battles or big wins for Samurai Jack. Now, to put this in perspective, he's beaten almost every conceivable type of opponent you can think of magical, cyborg, robotic, ninja, combination of all the above, godlike beings. He's been there, done that, and he's actually beaten them. See, unlike Mace Windu, who actually did not destroy Emperor Palpatine, I wish he did, by the way, he didn't, Samurai Jack actually defeated the main enemy he has in Aku, who is more powerful than I believe Emperor Palpatine could ever be and i'll explain this more so let's talk about some wins he's beaten the character named scaramouche this is a really cool talkative fighting robot and he uses magical flute to pick up rocks and a giant scimitar during battle to kind of throw using telekinesis all these objects to samurai jack he has a tuning fork sword that can cause objects to explode from his vibrations and samurai jack faced off and beat him very easily there is this lava monster a giant lava monster with a i believe a sword and what it turns out is that aku turned this Norse Viking warrior into this lava monster because he can do that kind of stuff and turn him evil. Samurai Jack had to take him on and finally release him from the curse. How? By killing him. Then the last scene you see is a Nord this Nordic person turn back into a human and then his spirit fly off to Valhalla. That's what Samurai Jack does because he's a warrior and he kind of honors all these other warriors he fights. There's a character named Demongo. This is really interesting. Demongo has an ability to steal the essence of any warrior or powerful creature he comes across. And then he forces these creatures, no essence, whatever, to fight for him in a battle. So in other words, he has a literal army at his disposal at any times. Uh, and Demongo could also summon a warrior spirit that was defeated back into battle so he can recycle and reuse all these warrior spirits. Samurai Jack defeated him and his in, in an army of warrior spirits. That is absolutely crazy. They're the Ultrabots. These were these ninja-style robots that each had very specific weapons, training, programming, 
all designed to take out Samurai Jack after studying him greatly, being programmed with all these methods to take him out. And Samurai Jack took a beating as well, but destroyed all of the Ultra Bots. Of course, there's the Daughters of Aku. This, these are a group of, of women who are trained from birth to take out Samurai Jack. They worship Aku, use magical weapons, the whole thing. We're the, some of the best badass warriors of all time in the realm of Samurai Jack. And Samurai Jack defeated all of them. In fact, married one of them at the end of the series. More on that later. And then, of course, there's Aku, the main villain of the series. Now, let me put this in perspective. Samurai Jack absolutely destroyed Aku. This is cool. Aku was an evil, godlike, shape-shifting entity, took over the world, ruled it for countless eons. To put this in perspective, Jack destroyed a being who was immortal, could regenerate his entire body, had a healing factor, could shapeshift, could fight like a god of combat, had superman-level physicals, at least. He could fly, could time travel, could manipulate matter and create objects and beings out of nothing, could curse beings into an evil demonic form who would then fight Jack form, was insanely intelligent, could teleport, travel interstellar distances, had precognition, and could see anything happening anywhere. Yes, yeah, Samurai Jack beat that guy. That is crazy. I don't think Samuel Jackson, all of his iterations, have any, that that, that kind of depth of powers, and that's who Sam, uh, Samurai Jack took out and destroyed. But let's talk about the composite cinematic Samuel Jackson's weaknesses. This is where I'm going to really start to hate myself. Sure, again, he's got some iconic rules. The rules define cinematic culture for eternity, but he's got a few rules that were less than physically powerful individuals. Look, this is where you realize you can't have Superman without the weakness to kryptonite, and you can't have the Samuel Jackson composite character without some characters that were really well acted, but physically would not be who you want in a fight. So here's a few. There's the iconic Russell Franklin from Deep Blue Sea. Russell Franklin gets eaten and ripped apart by a shark near the beginning of the movie. This character had zero situational awareness as he turned his back to the op only opening of the water. And where do sharks come from? Openings in water. He turned his back and he was giving this great speech and all of a sudden, boom, gets taken, eaten, destroyed and pulled into the water. That cost averages down the fighting ability of composite Samuel Jackson. But there's more. Here's my one of my favorite rules. Stax Edwards from Goodfellas, where he's killed off pretty quickly by the mob. Hey, I get it. It's the mob. It's Goodfellas. But still, he had a gun. Maybe he could fight back. Maybe he should use that intelligence to figure out what's going on. Nope. He gets killed off in, in a horrible fashion, too. There's Steven from Django Unchained, where he's a mean senior citizen who couldn't really move that well physically. Great character. Not somebody you want on your side in a fight. Django shoots Steven in the kneecaps and leaves him to die in the house that then explodes. Pretty awesome, by the way. Sure, you got Mace Window, Nick Fury, Frozone, but then you have a lot of other roles where he's less than capable as a combatant. He's been in over, what, 200 movies, maybe 20 of them he was a badass. That means at least, what, 180, bring his overall average way, way down. Put that up against a super-powered, super-fighting machine with a super-weapon like Samurai Jack, and, well, it's not going to be good for composite Samuel L. Jackson. That's why Samuel Jackson loses. That's why Samurai Jack wins. That's my point number three. How dare you, James Gavsey, sully the name of Samuel L. Jackson. He has been in over 200 movies, and he has been a stone-cold killer in every single one of them. And I'm talking about every single one of them, from Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children to Kong Skull Island to The Hitman's Bodyguard to Coach Carter to Paws of Fury, The Legend of Hank. He is a stone-cold killer in every single one of these cinematic appearances. Now, you want to talk about Samurai Jack? Your big point number three is that he used a magical flute to tame some lava monsters? What exactly are you talking about? Samuel L. Jackson has been able to put people to sleep 
with his narration of the book, Go the F to Sleep, and he has put upset children to sleep. That is outside the parameters of anything Samurai Jack can even deal with. And you talk about all the times that Samuel L. Jackson has been killed in his movies, but this is composite Samuel L. Jackson. If he dies from the killer shark in Deep Blue Sea who can kill every person on screen with the one notable exception of LL Cool J, all I have to do, James, is start streaming the next movie and Samuel L. Jackson is still alive and he has not been put down for the two minutes required for a who would win battle. So at the end of the day, the way this plays out is Jack sees composite Samuel L. Jackson morphing and twisting in limbo. Samurai Jack attempts to fight him with a sword and gets met with a lightsaber, gets met with some sort of alien gun from Nick Fury's arsenal. He gets met with the genius plot because he always has things on him as a super genius. And Samurai Jack's going to pull out a magical flute or something. And it's just plain not going to be enough. And that's when Samuel L. Jackson gives him the stare that he gave Kong in Kong's Skull Island. That stare that tells Samurai Jack, in another life, you shot me in the back of a car by accident. And Samurai Jack is going to get out of town. Samuel L. Jackson is just too much for this battle. And that's all I have to say about that. I, I, I don't think you were listening. I never said he played the flute. Okay, anyway. All right. A magical listen. flute, James, and I am disgusted that you think that's enough. Oh, boy. Rama, it's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Samurai Jack and composite Samuel L. Jackson. Well, gentlemen, this has been an absolutely ridiculous, implausible battle that shocked me longtime listener and judge of this show in ways that I never could have imagined. In the beginning, it started off with a tale of raw physical strength and ability versus complex intelligence and planning. Then it turned into this magnificent journey through the film catalog of Samuel L. Jackson and... <laughs> composite Phil Lamar being murdered in the back of a car to this third round wherein uh, magical flutes and tuning fork swords were were thrown. A man with a healing factor was destroyed by, by Samurai Jack and Samuel L. Jackson told the kids to go the F to sleep. The thing that stuck out to me the most in this that I just can't shake were these two points. One was the lack of situational awareness that Samuel L. Jackson often has when monologizing. He'd been felled by a, a shark with superhuman intelligence or super shark intelligence, the emperor through trickery. He's been shot, stabbed, destroyed, many different ways. And that certainly is a weakness. However, there is one point that Ray made that James didn't even bother to counter. Even with a, a rebuttal that wasn't sanctioned in the middle of a statement. And that is that Ray said that he will endlessly be able to stream Samuel L. Jackson after Samuel L. Jackson after Samuel L. Jackson. So, if James... You have Samurai Jack say, destroy John Shaft, implausible, 
though that may be, or Ptolemy Gray, or <laughs> any of these characters, uh, uh, the grumpy man from the Sunshine Limited, or whatever. If Rages can keep hitting play, then that means that composite Samuel L. Jackson just keeps coming back. And this isn't a healing factor situation. This is a rebirth situation. This is a new Samuel L. Jackson every time. And that's something I just don't feel convinced by your argument that Samurai Jack can stop. But even putting all of that aside, James, I think Samurai Jack could take out Hold up, man, from coming to America. Probably could cut off the legs of Mr. Senior Love Daddy from Do the Right Thing. He could probably take out Stax Edwards in Goodfellas. He could he could get Trip in Juice. He could get Robbie in Patriot Games. Certainly he could get Mr. Arnold in Jurassic Park. That guy's chain-smoking and largely not paying attention. He got fooled by Nedry. Maybe he gets Zeus in Die Hard with a Vengeance. I'm not exactly positive that he would. Reverend Fred Sultan in Great White Hype? I don't know. It starts getting more and more difficult when you look at it. There is an entire gauntlet of Samuel L. Jackson personas that he will have to fight and have to score a decisive victory. And I don't know that he can go through the lower-level Samuel L. Jacksons to the mid-level Samuel L. Jacksons. There are so many different ways that Samuel L. Jackson can get you. He can use the force. He can seduce your woman. He can monologize you till the world falls on your head. He can win an Oscar for a lifetime of work. All of these things are things that Samurai Jack will have to contend with, and we're talking about a catalog of Samuel L. Jackson. And let's not even bring up... No, actually, let's bring up this one thing. Samurai Jack has no cursing. The furthest they get is damn, and maybe an ass. What is one of the superpowers of Samuel L. Jackson that we just, we all know? The man is a poet of vulgarity. Shakespearean levels of vulgarity. And that is disarming to anyone. And you couple that with characters who have no code, no moral compass, no guiding light that is leading them along the way. Just pure unbridled ambition, lust, and power in his most valentine form, Samuel L. Jackson just is too much man for Samurai Jack. And there you have it. I'm going to do the James line this time. This is an ultimate decisive victory to wrap up my victorious season of season four. James, let me know how you're feeling right now. Ray Cicadas, we're going to be staging an intervention for you uh, with your Pepsi Max intake. Rama, let me, let me make something very clear to you. Your decision was a combination of uh, Stephen from Django Unchained to whoever else, you know, that guy who dies I never in, brought uh, up Stephen from Django Unchained. I never brought him oh, up. Oh, no. I brought him up. I brought him up. Oh, I'm just yeah. saying your, your decision. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Here's the thing. On a scale of 1 to 10... You're a 10 in terms of handsomeness. You're a 10 in terms of charm. You're a 10 in terms of intelligence and just everything that's amazing. But you're a negative 5,000 when it comes to making a good decision today's episode. This is everyone put together, cost averaging that stock when you buy it at 1,000, but then it goes down to 10 cents and you average it out. Now it's only $2. 
this was not a one, two, three, four. They're not lined up 200 people in a row. They're put together into one character. It's a composite character. It's not every iteration, one hmm. after the other. We said this in the title of the episode. I'm pulling a race to Canis, by the way. James, and I'm just saying, hold I on a sec, because in the rules of who would win, did you not say for four straight seasons that the judge is the final arbiter and can interpret the rules in any way they see fit? I think you did. I think Rama followed the rules perfectly. How dare you? The to rules me, the way were that this definitely all, interpreted. Go well, ahead. the way that this all played out to me, the way that you two gentlemen explained it in a, I suppose, Harry Potter reference, uh, the boggart that lives in the cabinet can shapeshift at will into the thing that scares you the most. The way that Ray was explaining composite Samuel L. Jackson, he can just go. There isn't a start and stop. There isn't... You start as uh, as Stephen, and then you end up as Shaft. There's just moments. There's moments, and you can defeat moments, but then the moment changes immediately, and then there's a new problem to deal with. So it isn't he kills one, and then another walks in through a door. He might attack one personality, and then another pops out. I'm sorry, man. If you if you couldn't explain your side strong enough, that's a that's a, mm. that's a failure on your side. I know we've had this happen to both of you before when I'm here. And the point wow. is, Ray brought out the big guns. Samuel L. Jackson can make the kids go the f to sleep. And if that ain't a superpower, I don't know what is. Listen, listen. There's no there's no debating how great Samuel L. Jackson is. Just as a standalone human being. Never mind the the career, the, the the composite Samuel Jackson. With that being said, you gotta cost average down these opponents. You can't have a Mace Windu with the abilities of Frozone without the brittleness of bones with a Mr. Glass. That's just how composite stuff works. You can't have the good without the bad. There's interpretations, Rama. Uh, and then but the interpretations. interpretations are up to the judge. Thank you. Not James- but crossovers, but crossovers are given less weight. All right, listen, this was actually, I, I got to say something to Legion of Audience. I may have lost, but I had so much fun in this battle. It was awesome. Whenever Rama Valori is on the episode, you're going to get something unexpected, highly entertaining, whether you agree with him or not, whether I agree with him or not, it's always an awesome time. Rama, you are fantastic as a judge. Please come back. There's no better way to give a Christmas gift to the Legion of Audience as a whole than to have the one of the most amazing judges of all time on the show. So thank you even though it didn't work out in my favor. With all that being said, tell our fan base where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, mostly, at Rama Valuri. And then uh, just stay tuned to your TVs and streaming services because I'm in stuff that comes out in 2023 that people in this audience will really enjoy. And that's about the most I can say about those things. But in the meantime, <laughs> watch Super Pumped on Showtime, Watch Little America on Apple TV Plus, Terra Incognita on Disney Plus, and stay tuned. I'll be letting people know what comes next. But thank you both for having me. Watch Super Pumped on Showtime. Watch Little America on Apple TV Plus. Keep your eyes open for all announcements of other things that I'm in that you will really enjoy that come out in 2023 that I can't elaborate on because NDAs. But something you can do for yourselves right now, and Almighty Ray himself, is listen to Vampire Detroit, <laughs> the Reclaim Detroit podcast, the Vampire the Masquerade podcast that Ray Stacanus 
has made a labor of love. I am DJ Max Stylus. Listen to Reclaim Detroit, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Very cool. All right. Ray Cicadas, you got another victory. Uh, you know, I'm not used to this on the last day of, uh, you know, last episode of the season, especially since normally I'm repping Santa Claus. Just to remind Legion of Audience, we had to retire them because, you know, Ray couldn't beat Santa Claus. But congratulations on your victory today. Tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you online. Greatness comes in many forms. You could look at a painting in an art museum and say, I can see greatness right there. You can watch a baseball player like Barry Bonds hit his 73rd home run to set the all-time home run record and think, I see greatness right there. And you can listen to this episode of season four's finale of the Who Would Win show to every moment I was talking and know in your heart that what you heard was greatness once again. I can only be glad that Rama Valuri found it in his heart, in his soul, to give the people what they want. And that was a victory for Almighty Ray to send James home a loser. Season four, people have told me, is the greatest season in Who Would Win show history. And given today, how could I possibly argue? You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. Stop by. For an ultimate victory Friday, I'm glad we got Samurai Jack on the show so I could show him the door. You sound bitter. Even in victory, you sound bitter. I'm never happy, James, but today, I feel it a little bit. There you go. Merry Christmas, Ray. All right, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavs. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Canis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash hoodwinshow right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Sup everyone. 
Brian here, host of the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? What are Tony Stark's last words to Thanos in Avengers Endgame? And where does Ron Burgundy say he is when he calls the news station sobbing from a phone booth? I've covered The Office, Harry Potter, Marvel, Will Ferrell movies, Lord of the Rings, and more, with even more on the way. So play along to the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and stay tuned for more trivia!